Oh, it's good to be back in Peter. Before I did this Healthy Church series, I did a sermon series in 1 Peter. Oh, these are good books. I recommend them. Read these books, First and Second Peter. So 2 Peter, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for how you do a work in our lives. Father, we pray at this time for discernment and wisdom. Guide us in your truth. Help us to hear your word and live to your glory. In Christ. Wonderful name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1. On the back of your bulletins, there are my sermon notes, and they have a little outline there you can follow and different scripture passages I'll be referencing. So just know that's there. You can use that as a tool as we look through this passage. Peter has one key word that he keeps using again and again and again. This is the theme, and this is where, in the end, 
he is trying to remind people of this. This is very important. I love that at the end of that, in verses 12 and 13, and how he ends it. I intend always to remind you of these qualities to, and I love the descriptive term there, stir you up. To keep stirring you up in the knowledge of God. Stirring you up in the things of faith. Stirring you up in the truth. It's very important. If things aren't continually stirred up, over time, things begin to separate. Things begin to separate. It's funny, I still, when I go to the refrigerator, I open the fridge and I take out a gallon of Costco milk, I still take it, and what's the first thing I do before I pour a drink? I shake it. Isn't that ridiculous? It's so ingrained in my mind that you have to shake milk or it will separate even though it it doesn't. Oh, yeah, with the chocolate. Yeah, you got to shake that too. You put your chocolate syrup in there and you don't shake it. It isn't until the ending. Wow. So, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, we got to shake it up. And here we see where Peter is saying we got to keep the faith and the things of God and the knowledge of the scriptures stirred up in each other. This is this understanding of accountability and encouragement where we're always lifting each other up to Christ. We're always presenting the scriptures to each other. We're always lovingly coming alongside each other to build each other up, to challenge each other with the word so that we all may keep being stirred up and shaken so that things don't settle into compromise or settle into forgetfulness of the love and truth of Christ. So that's what Peter is building up to here. So we're going to be looking at this. We're going to be looking at these. I have them in three different points, and each of these points begin with the word knowledge. That's the key word for this passage. Peter is saying we must know who God is and who we are. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what we see taking place here. So Peter is taking that statement of Christ. Jesus explains that he's the truth. And if we know him, if we believe in him, and if we trust him, we will be set free. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. So this is Peter's explanation of that with how the truth of Christ comes and transforms our hearts and minds so that we may live to his glory and live in his grace. So the first point I have there, number one, is this. Knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. If we have such knowledge, if we know who God is and know Jesus as our Lord, then grace and peace will be multiplied to you. This is the promise of verse 2. Grace and peace will be multiplied. And then verse 1, faith will be grown by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. (laughs) How much do we hunger for or strive or seek for peace? Some type of peace, some type of calm, some type of, of presence of God in our life? Well, here Peter says that all comes from 
knowing the truth of who God is and Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is a powerful message that the church has for the world. No matter how the world may strive or seek for peace, peace can only be found in one source. That is Jesus Christ, his death on the cross. Peace can only be found in the empty tomb that Christ rose, a de- rose from the dead. Peace can only be found in Jesus as our Savior, who's at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And peace will only be found when Jesus Christ returns in all glory and all God's people are gathered together forever and ever. No more sin. No no more suffering. So we see where peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. And if we try to seek for peace in any other area or any other means, it will fail us. So that's what's vital, this knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It's so crucial. We must know Jesus. Jesus is Savior and He's Lord. He's Master. He's over us. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. So that all our life is to submit to Him, knowing that if we give Christ all our life, what we gain back is more than we could ever accomplish in all our brokenness and sin and misery. It's a great exchange. I recommend it for everyone here. You you want a good life? Give it to Jesus. What you get back is far more than anything you'll give. I can tell you that right now. So that's this knowledge that's being developed here of God and of Jesus our Lord. In verse 3, he develops this knowledge a little further. In verse 3, he says, Knowledge of Him who called us. So here we see the work of of God. God comes to us in our state of sin, in our brokenness, in our disobedience. God comes and he calls us. He makes us alive to believe. He transforms us so that we may know him and love him and trust him. Our salvation is first and foremost and always the work of God Almighty, the work of a sovereign, gracious, loving God. And we must know that. That's so important to know if we are going to continue to persevere and live knowing that we are saved by grace alone, by God alone, by His power and strength. Because if our salvation is ultimately dependent on us, (laughs) I'm in trouble. And if you don't know it yet, I'll give you a little secret. You're in trouble. If your salvation is in any way ultimately dependent on you, you're in trouble. So that's why, again, we see the knowledge that not only is Jesus our Lord, but that he called us. He comes and he saves us. He takes us from death to life. So that's where Peter is saying we have to know these things, this knowledge of him who called us. And he called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, that's one of the most gracious statements in Scripture that God calls us. Now, Peter loves this. Peter loves to develop this. We saw this in 1 Peter, and you see this through 2 Peter, that when Jesus Christ comes back in all his glory, all his glory, we 
get to share in His glory. We partake of His glory. All the things that He has accomplished, His righteousness is given to us. And His glory is shared by us. Though we could do nothing to earn it, it is a complete part of God's gift of His calling and election and perseverance of His people. Now verse 3 goes on explaining this calling and excellency. And it says this, that God has, His power has been granted to us through His divine nature. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Again, we see Peter promising here, if you want real life, if you want true life, then that is found only in Jesus Christ and His love and His grace. Not only does Peter develop this concept, but Paul develops this. I reference there Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 22. It talks about this where God does this mighty work I'm going to start in verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So here it talks about this state we are in before the knowledge of God. Before we know God and believe in Him. We're in unrighteousness, and God's wrath is on us. Yet, verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Here it says no one, is with, no one has an excuse that they didn't know God. God has displayed it in His creation, and He comes in His Son, Jesus Christ, to make us alive to believe so that we may live under that knowledge. And a part of this divine nature of knowing God is knowing His precious and great promises. That's an encouragement I have for each and every one of you is to go through the Scriptures. You can find this. You can find this online. You can ask me. I have pages in my office that I could print off and give to you of the promises found in the Scripture. <laughs> These promises to God's children. What a hope, what an encouragement it is when you find yourself in a time of suffering, a time of pain, a time of hardship, a time of temptation to know God's promises. Because the same God who made everything from nothing, the same God who saves you in His Son, Jesus Christ, if God saved you, well, He's strong enough to keep you and He's strong enough to bring His promises to your life. So I encourage you, one of the places where you can find those glorious promises is Romans chapter 8. Sometime today, find a Bible and read Romans chapter 8. And as you read that, say, oh Lord, thank you for these promises. I know you will bring this about in my life. So this is a part of the knowledge of God. And then we see this beautiful promise in verse 4. That those who have faith and believe in Jesus Christ, that we become partakers of the divine nature. Here we see where God sends His Holy Spirit to dwell within us. 
so that we may be alive in Jesus Christ. And then if we, are, if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, then it says we can escape the corruption of the world through the sinful desires. I'm going to read that. That's verse 4 of our passage. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Escape. This is it. This is it. It doesn't matter what area of sin you feel that you're imprisoned to. It doesn't matter what ongoing temptation and struggle feels like chains about your wrist and about your ankles. It doesn't matter what what hardship that is pressing down on you. We see here the promise is this, that in Jesus Christ there is escape. There is life. There is the ability as the Holy Spirit grows us and we grow up into the measure of Christ to say no to sin and yes to God. Now, I do have to tell you that as long as you're alive on this heaven and earth, and before either Christ returns or you die, you're going to struggle with sin until either of those two releases. That's one of the things we, we enjoy in this church. We use the Heidelberg Catechism. And one of my favorite things, I've said this often, in the Heidelberg Catechism, it says, what is one of the ways that you are benefited in your death? Wow, that's quite a question. How does death benefit me? Well, if you die in Jesus Christ, as soon as you die, you stop sinning. What a gracious thing that is. What a gracious thing that is. So we see that, but even now, while you live, you are a part of that escaping from those sinful desires. We're looking at the marks of a healthy church, and right now we're in discipleship. And part of discipleship is growing in the Word of God, growing in community where we encourage each other so that we help each other say no to the flesh and yes to God. And let me tell you, that isn't something you do once a month. That isn't something you do once a year with New Year's resolutions. That isn't something you do once a day. That's something you do throughout all your waking moments. Saying yes to God and no to sin. That's part of that self-control. So here Peter makes this powerful statement. He talks about the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. In verse 3, he talks again about the knowledge of him who called you. In verse 8, he again says the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this text, you're going to start thinking it's all about Jesus Christ. It is. It is. And then verse 10, built on that foundation of knowing Jesus Christ, he makes this statement. Verse 10, it says, be more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Now, I want to emphasize this. It says this. It says, be all the more diligent to confirm. It doesn't say, be all the more diligent to earn 
We've got to realize the word there is confirm, not earn. You can't earn your calling and election, but Peter here is calling you to confirm it, to know it, to understand it, to live it out so that you will know you are on that firm ground of Jesus Christ in your faith and belief. Peter's trying to get you to realize that all other ground, if you're seeking for hope, if you're seeking for peace, if you're seeking for life anywhere but Jesus Christ, all other ground is sand. It's no good. So that's why he's saying that confirm your election and calling. Make sure that your feet, if you think of confirm, think of the firm there, make sure that your life and faith is on firm ground. Jesus Christ is the rock. He's the Savior. So that's that confirm. Make sure it's firm on Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? How does that play out in your daily life? And that's the beauty of what we see take place here in verses 5 through 7. And there you see that process, that working, where he says this. He says this. Make every effort to supplement, supplement, who here takes supplements? Anyone take supplements? Have mercy. Whenever I'm with my, my parents-in-law, he always jokes. My father-in-law always jokes because he'll have his breakfast there and he has his bowl of pills. And he says, after I take the bowl of supplements, I'm not going to have room to eat my breakfast. That's how many supplements. I mean, everything. Vitamin this, vitamin that, mineral this, mineral that. And you take these supplements so that hopefully you'll be strong and full of vigor and beauty, like about every one of you I see out there that would describe you, full of beauty and strength and vigor. So these supplements, well, Peter here is saying, you want supplements, I'll give you supplements. So this is his supplements. Here's his list of supplements in this passage of Scripture. It says this, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue this is that goodness this is seeking to live a life of morality of god's goodness displayed to other people and with that goodness you supplement it with knowledge there's that word again always growing always learning always studying the scriptures always in prayer always seeking knowing that you always have something to learn. Oh, I know someone once asked me, oh, pastor, I'm afraid I'm going to be bored in heaven. And I said, oh, why do you say that? And he says, well, what is there to do? And I'm like this. I'm like, well, I don't know what all there is to do, but I just know this. For eternity, you will just begin to understand God's love and beauty, and goodness. You'll just begin. So I don't think you'll be bored. I don't think you'll be bored. This knowledge that begins now continues on. This keeps you growing. So you supplement that goodness with knowledge, and with knowledge you supplement self-control. <laughs> there it is. That's the challenge. That's the daily task where we're living out that knowledge of who we are in Jesus Christ, that self-control. And with self-control, you supplement perseverance. 
steadfastness, continuing to live for Christ no matter what temptation or pain or difficulty or obstacle or insult or persecution from anyone around you. No, you keep moving one step ahead. Even though at times you feel yourself sliding backwards, you keep moving one step ahead. And you supplement that steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. Here it gets real personal. And brotherly affection with love. Love. So you want to make your, your election and calling firm in your mind, firm in your understanding? Then ultimately it comes down to the miracle of love. The miracle of love. I'll tell you, in the Bible, there's all kinds of miracles. And they're all true. The Red Sea parted. And the people of Israel walked through on dry land. Jonah, we're studying Jonah in our men's Bible study. He really was swallowed by a big fish. And three days later, he was spit out on the land. This is all true. But you know what's the most amazing miracle that you can experience in your life, a product of salvation, is that we will actually love one another. Really love. Really love. You know that 1 Corinthians 13 love? I don't know, how many... Did anyone have that in your, in your wedding? 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage? Ooh, that's a dangerous one to have in your wedding. Let me tell you, that's dangerous. It gets a little, woo, a little real. It gets a little, oh, this is what I'm getting into? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13, I recommend it. So here it is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Ooh, I'm having, a, I'm having an accountability moment here as I read the text. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Have mercy. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And that's this process that Peter takes us through of the knowledge of God through the Holy Spirit produces this process. More supplements here than in your medicine cabinet. These are supplements of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is what gives eternal life. Now, Peter says, if you practice these things, if you live these out, if you see these things active in your life, you will not fail. You will not fail. Because the one who calls you is the one who keeps you. That's what's crucial. This is all about Jesus Christ. He gives a warning in verse 9. If you lack these qualities, if you have no care or concern for godliness or for self-control, if you have no care and concern for living to give God glory and seeking Him, then Peter warns. He says, if you lack these things, you're blind. And you've forgotten one very important thing. That if you are in Jesus Christ, you have been cleansed. 
you have been born again. You've been made alive through the Holy Spirit so that you can die to sin and live to God's glory. So he emphasizes this. You practice these things, you will not fail. And this is the way of God's grace (coughs) for entrance into the eternal kingdom. And that's why Peter says this. As long as there is breath in him, he will remind the church of these qualities and he will keep stirring them up. So as we as a church seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ and follow him, let us go to the scriptures. Let us be in prayer. Let us be in fellowship to keep shaking each other up in love. Yes, chocolate milk is only good if it's always mixed. But let's keep it stirred up, these affections for Christ and his love. So let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you again for Peter, the apostle, for his word to us. Father, we pray that you will just guide us ever closer to you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Just guide us ever closer to you now. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.